Coming up in this episode, Randy and I are going to talk about salvage bikes. The pros, the cons, the things you have to do with salvage bikes. Also, we're going to talk about some of the coldest rides that we personally have ever been on. So stick around. Ladies and gentlemen, may I direct your attention to something quite extraordinary, quite incredible, quite unlike anything you may have experienced in your life. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, any random thoughts that pop into our head, and of course, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. Here's a topic that we hope to never have to talk about, motorcycle accidents. Well, unfortunately, they do happen, and that's why we recommend the skilled motorcycle accident lawyers at Schmidt Law Firm. They can help you through the difficult aftermath of an accident and fight for you so that you have the best chance to receive the maximum compensation for economic and non-economic losses. So if you've been in a motorcycle accident and need a firm that will fight for you, then contact Schmidt Law Firm today at 816 400 1000 for a free consultation. You can also find them online at KansasCityLawyers.com. Put the Schmidt Law Firm on your side of the table because motorcycle accidents do happen. I don't know what's wearing out faster, me or my bike. What I do know is that if your bike needs maintenance, then you need to go to Heartland Honda in Springdale, the first level five Honda powerhouse dealer in Arkansas. Their red level technicians can keep you rolling. Plus, Heartland Honda has a huge selection of Honda motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides, all with excellent financing options. So give them a call at 479-751-7022 or find them online at heartlandhonda.com. Heartland Honda. Work hard. Play hard. Well, if you love getting your kicks on Route 66, then take a ride through Pulaski County, Missouri. This 33-mile stretch of the Mother Road is filled with beautiful scenery, great throwback diners, and made-from-scratch meals, and plenty of historic sites as well. Some of the top highlights of the ride include Hooker Cut, which was once rumored to be the deepest cut road in America. The limestone walls are truly impressive. Devil's Elbow, which was once known as one of the Seven Wonders of Missouri. Three impressive rivers, including the Big Piney, the Gasconade, and the Robido. All in all, the drive takes about an hour and a half, but you'll want to give yourself a little extra time because part of the fun is stopping and visiting with the locals. Download their app at PulaskiCountyUSA.com. Digital downloads to find even more impressive stops. Well, welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. With me, as always, is Randy Little Lewis from BikeWorks in Urbana, Missouri. He's got his cheek full of chew. He's got his bottle of Maker's Mark. And with a straw. Shut uh, the front door. He's ready to go. So, have you had a good week? Listen, Linda, you can try all that you want to, but these balls are unbustable. Okay. You got it? (laughs) No more whiskey for you. Shoot, we're just getting started. I want to ask you something. Yeah, man. You have been using this Let's Roll motorcycle lift for a while. Oh, yeah, dude. What do you think? I think it is a great Christmas gift. 
for yeah. oh, yeah. for your biker uh, loved one friend. Uh, Shit, they're the guy gonna that be... comes over to your shop and you don't want him around anymore. Get his own damn lift. <laughs> they're gonna be a little bit like I don't know if they'd be upset about me saying this, but that prick is so universal. I've used it for so much shit already. Like I'm not talking about just putting motorcycles on it. I also work on four wheelers, dirt bikes, all that crap. I had a four wheeler sitting on it for a little over a week. I've blocked it up and got a bigger. Like I literally put the back of a UTV on it. Really, a side by side. It's sturdy. It's sturdy enough to do it. I put a plate onto it, put a couple blocks onto it, set the back of a side-by-side on it so that I could spin it around and move it around in my shop. It's not just for motorcycles. You know, let's roll. You might start looking into other avenues because that that prick works. I, I put an engine on it just for a, a few minutes. I just It was a big-ass engine. I had to just take it out and set it down. Um, it was already plated up. Just put the engine on it, and I was like, hell, that thing works. You know, it was great height for me to sit on my stool and not have to lift well, this and engine. And it spins and rolls so easy, effortlessly. It really does. I'm I'm looking into maybe putting, building some attachments that fit this thing, and I'm going to start using it for everything. <laughs> cool. Well, it definitely would make a great Christmas gift. So if you're interested, it's real easy to find out more about it. There's videos. There's all kinds of information. Just go to OzarkRides.com. And check out the link right there on the homepage to the Let's Roll Motorcycle Lift. You'll really like it. Okay. Now, yeah. the subject of the day is salvage bikes. Now, mm. I've always steered away from them just for the one aspect of the title. Most people do. Most people really do. Let me start the process off by the difference of a salvage motorcycle and one that is titled as prior salvage motorcycle. Okay. For conversation's sake, what's the difference? A salvage motorcycle means literally that it is still in salvaged state, meaning whatever wreck that it had, it is still in that same condition. It's still wrecked. You can get a title for it. Most of them, like you buy on like Purple Wave or wrecktoys.com, whatever. When they're still wrecked, it is still, it's a salvaged title. You have a title, you have ownership, but it means that it is wrecked still currently. Prior salvaged is a whole different ballgame. Prior salvaged means that at one point in time it was wrecked. Insurance company salvaged it. Now, it's not all just wrecked bikes either. You have theft recovery. You have all sorts of other things that constitutes insurance salvaging the motorcycle. You know, I could steal your motorcycle, not do a bit of damage to it, and then it's recovered. And you can tell the insurance, I don't want a stolen bike. They salvage it. It goes to auction. So that's how one... One becomes salvaged. Typically, it's a certain percentage. Say a bike is worth $10,000. If it does $7,000 worth of damage to it, they salvage it. You know, more than like 70, 75% is about an average number. If it does that much money in damages, they just salvage it, auction it, move on, give you your money back or give you your money, whatever. Now, to have a prior salvage title, the bike needs to be repaired. It needs to be put back to... OEM specs in a sense, and then it has to be inspected by the highway patrol. So it goes through a lot more rigorous inspection than a normal titled bike. Wouldn't you think that just uh, the purpose of a salvage bike is just for parts? Not entirely. Think about the theft recovery one. It's a perfect bike, but it's just was stolen and the guy didn't want a stolen bike. You could buy that bike at a fraction of the price at auction, Go to the DMV or go to the highway patrol. This is how it works here in the state of Missouri. Let me clarify that. 
they can inspect it, say that it meets DOT standards and everything is in working shape. They issue you a certificate, you go to the DMV and you get then what's called a prior salvage title. So on the title, it looks just like a normal title. It just says prior salvage on it. Mm. And that's the big difference. So to the people that look at one that's prior salvaged, it is it is a kind of a catch-22. They do take a hit in value because of that, because a lot of people are like, well, shit, I don't want a wrecked bike because that's what they think of it as. You know, it's a wrecked bike. Yeah. But the flip side of that, for that to get a prior salvage title and be put back onto the road, it goes through a rigorous inspection process. Like the DOT themselves at the Highway Patrol headquarters inspects this bike tip to tail, top to bottom to make sure that it is safe and meets all the previous DOT standards that it would have had to have made produce new. And if you go to purchase this bike, there will obviously be documentation stating that. Yes. Yes. So you can't, again, when you, when you do that, say if I were to buy a salvaged bike, I have to repair it with, I can't really use aftermarket parts. I have to pretty much use OEM parts. Say I bought used OEM parts, right? So, you know, I need a front forks or front fender, front wheel. I don't have to go to say, we'll use Harley Davidson for instance. Okay. I don't have to go to Harley Davidson and buy that wheel from Harley. I can buy it used, but with that, buying it used, I have to show documentation of buying it. It's almost like a bill of sale on a wheel. You know, on this date, I paid this much money from this guy for this part. And I have to bring all of my receipts. I mean, all the way down to if I repainted, what paint shop I used, what paint was used, receipts for the paint. I mean, I have to show a lot of receipts to the highway patrol And then they have to inspect it, basically to make sure I'm not using stolen parts or anything. Well, you bring up that point, and the question then is begged to be asked, in the end of the day, is it worth it? It seems like a big hassle. It's a hassle, but say, again, I'm going to use Harley. That's what I'm familiar with, guys. Bear with me. I'm short-sighted. So say I go on Purple Wave and buy a 2022 Road Glide that's had front-end damage. That bike, a 2022 Road Glide, you know, say it's low miles, say it's 10, 15,000 miles, pretty sweet little bike. The rest of it's not damaged, it's just the front end. They, they totaled it. That bike retails for somewhere around mid to upper 20s on the low end. What happens if I buy it for $12,000? Because that's a, that's a high probability, you know, as cheap as they go on some of these auction sites or at auction houses or, you know, these. Basically, the insurance will send almost like a towing company out, and then it sits at the towing yard until it goes to auction. Sometimes you can buy it at the towing yard straight from the insurance company. Anyway, I buy it for $12,000. Even if I spend high money and spend $3,000 fixing the front end of that, well, now I'm at $15,000, right, for a $28,000 motorcycle. Now, there's a hassle. Yeah, there's time. You have to schedule an appointment with the DOT and the highway patrol. Sometimes it's a lengthy period out before you can get up there. I can't remember what it costs, but say it cost me $500. I think that would be kind of high, even a thousand dollars. Now I'm $16,000 into it. I have a motorcycle and that bike would have cost me relatively $28,000 to buy. Okay. So let's say all of that um, is completed. You've got this bike. Mm -hmm. You're good to go. 
what are the hassles of trying to sell it as because it will always have the it, moniker yeah. of a salvage bike. Yes, it will always have a prior salvage uh, title. Because of that, doesn't that not bring down the value? It does bring down the value. And that's kind of where I'm getting at. You know, to guys looking to buy a motorcycle, I wouldn't just ride off prior salvage motorcycles. You know what I mean? I guess what I'm saying is, is it's definitely an option. They have to be repaired in such a way and go through such an inspection process that you're really not looking at uh, a lemon, if you will, or, you know, a bike that's just a pile of junk. So it's really not that bad of an avenue. I've owned a couple prior salvage bikes. Shoot, my last big wheel bagger that I had, it was prior salvaged. It was a cop bike, a, a police Electroglide that is was in service. Um, from what I got on the backstory of it, and I don't know how true this necessarily is, but if they fall over at all, they salvage them. Simple as that. Damage, no damage. If it falls over, they salvage it. So, and there's another one that most Harley guys would know this. So almost everybody on these touring bikes has a crash bar. A lot of guys do. Well, they bolt to a small, probably a 16 gauge little strap of metal that goes between the frame on the front. Well, it's welded to the frame. That's considered the frame. I could literally walk up and kick the shit out of a, out of a crash bar and it could possibly total that bike. Because what it does is it'll bend or tweak that little plate or that little piece of metal. Um, if you do it good enough, you can crack it or break that. They call that frame damage. Frame damage almost always gets salvaged. So it, that's what's so crazy about the process and what they deem as salvaged and not salvaged that it, it, it's it's easy to do in a sense. Now, it also sounds like from the sound of it that if you are not a motorcycle mechanic or mechanically inclined, can't do the work yourself, then it is not worth doing. You know, Because then you're going to have an exhaustive amount of expense in paying somebody to... You could, depending on what you buy and depending on what the condition is when you buy it. You know, as far as how bad it was salvaged. Now, if that sucker was fire damage and it melted to the ground, yeah, well, shit, that ain't worth nothing. But if it was rear-ended, say on, on a new Harley, you buy a fender, it has to be painted. You buy a painted fender from Harley, that prick's expensive. Saddlebags are expensive. Bracketry's expensive. Harley doesn't sell kits. They sell everything individual. So bolt, washer, bracket, like all that's bought individually. So say you were to get rear-ended and it jacked up the sat both saddlebags and the rear fender. That is almost $5,000 worth of damages just from that. Well, the bike's not hurt. It still runs, shifts, everything's fine. But because of that cosmetic damage, it's salvaged now. You, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. So when you look for one, if you look to buy one that is currently salvaged, pick and choose what you buy as far as what was the damage, what was the extent of the damage, things like that. A lot of the times, if you have a you can, it's kind of a gray area ish. If you know a buddy that's got the ability to go to auctions themselves and buy, basically have a dealer tag, or I think you can buy auction numbers. Basically, you can pay for the ability to go to these auctions, these insurance auctions um, that not just everybody has to buy these bikes. Well, then you get to see it in person. 
Well, now the other type of salvage, for lack of better terms, would that not be like a basket case? It could. That's, is that different? It could be in a sense. I mean, we live in a day and age where there's not much basket cases on new bikes. There truthfully isn't. You know, insurance companies aren't going to take and sell parts. You know, sell buckets of parts like they did way back when with old bikes. Um, most of the time, there's they're they're a complete bike with damage done or parts missing or something like that. Most of the time, body parts that are missing. But I I don't know if I can remember the last time or any time that I went and saw one that was literally in buckets or baskets. So this is the part that is kind of crazy to me. I've, I mean, I'm always looking at motorcycles, looking at parts, looking at this, looking at that. It's just inherently how I am and kind of part of my business. So here's what is kind of the catch-22 of stuff. Unless you pay for like, say, like a a Carfax report on a motorcycle, you may have wrecked your motorcycle and it may have done substantial damage, right? But you didn't turn it into insurance and you paid to repair it. Well, it didn't have to go through any type of inspection. It didn't have to go through anything. You could own a wrecked motorcycle that was severely damaged, repaired it on your own dime and then sell it. And it's got a straight title. And so, nobody's the wiser. Exactly, unless you pay for these reports to see what kind of an accident it was in. But even then, if you and don't that's turn only it in, if somebody reports it to the exactly. So if you don't report it, nobody knows anything about that. And if you don't do it, like say you get in a wreck, right? And you didn't call the police to say, you know, say you were out touring a back road, you ran off the road, rolled this prick, called a buddy, got it hauled back to your house. No police report was ever filed. No insurance claim was ever done. You repaired it and sold it. Tell me that bike is better than one that had to go through a DOT inspection. Well, I can't do that. I mean, exactly. common sense. You know, you are, when you're buying a bike like anything, you're just taking a guy's word for it. We live in a time where there's freaking liars and thieves everywhere. We live in a time where people more commonly lie than tell the truth. Exactly. I trust no one. Exactly. So when you go buy a used motorcycle, it'd be very uh, appropriate of you to look the damn thing over. Look at all the little shit. Get a gauge for who's selling it. You know, Just get a feel for, is this a good bike or not a good bike? Things like that. Now, I don't want to scare anybody off from buying a used motorcycle. It's not always like that. We're talking about wrecked bikes here. So when they go through that prior salvage process... They have to be repaired very, very well. They have to be inspected by the DOT who sets all of our standards, all of our guidelines for what's safe and what's not safe. And then you get a certificate to get a prior salvage title. You see what I'm saying? I do. So it's not that they're bad. It's just resale sucks on them because the mass majority of people don't want that two words on their title that, that says that's... prior salvaged. And literally that's all that it is. It's two words on a title that says prior salvage. You know, how many guys have ever, you know, fucked up and been in a wreck or laid their bike over or anything like that? There's been a lot of people that laid their bike over. There's people out there that have the money to fix it without insurance. So you could possibly be buying a wrecked motorcycle. Not even know it. May have tweaked something that nobody knows about. Okay, so well, that's, that makes sense. That's why I don't necessarily, the money guy in me says don't buy a prior salvage because resale sucks. 
Uh, you know this very well. I'm not a guy that keeps shit forever. It's astounding. Yeah, yeah. So the money side of it, resale, yes, you're going to take a hit on resale. It's just how it is. If it's a really nice bike, it ne- it won't necessarily hurt because there's guys out there like me that are like, well, shit, I don't care. So am I hearing you say that if you're buying the bike for the strict purpose of maybe riding it for a little while, but eventually to resell, that's probably not the way to go. Yeah, it, you definitely do take a hit. You, there's not as much cap on it as if it didn't have those two words on the title. So, um, oh, when people see those words, there's going to be a lot of questions. Yes, exactly. What was it done? What was the wreck? How bad was it? What did you have to repair? Where did you have it repaired? Who did it? You know, what parts did you use? Just stuff like that. There's a there's more of a hassle and more of a headache in selling one than not selling one. Not to say that it can't be done. Think about it like this. Think about it if you're a baller on a budget. Say these big wheel baggers, they're they're freaking costly to build. Especially when you get into extreme paint, extreme audio, massive wheels, air ride, a bunch of shit. A majority of the stuff that's stock on, say, a touring Harley is getting changed, is getting altered, is getting removed. Buy a salvage bike that's got a great engine, great trans, you know, has a good straight frame. Say you could buy it like that at $8,000 for a relatively new motorcycle. You're going to be stripping all that stock shit off anyway. Most of the stuff that's damaged on one when you lay one over or get in a wreck, then you can build your big wheelbagger on a budget for less money. You can spend more money on the paint, more money on aesthetics. You can spend more money on that shit and still be in it less than when you bought a regular motorcycle that's not been salvaged and do all that stuff to it. It's a money saving it kind of, It kind of is. And if you're the guy that doesn't really care too much about that and you want to get into a newer motorcycle, but you can't afford retail price on it, it's a great avenue to have one. There you go. So shifting gears a little bit here, that's, uh, you know, winter is rapidly coming upon us. Yeah, it is. So tell me something. What is the coldest ride you've ever been on? Oh, shit, man. There's two There's two rides that come to mind for me personally. Uh, the first one I'll tell you about Actually, my father-in-law was a bit younger, and he had. we had just went to, I think it was February. We just went an hour north of Chicago. We live in Missouri. This is like, a, I think it was like a 10 or 11-hour trip for us, something like that, to look at this this motorcycle for him. It's a 2006 Harley Deluxe. It was set up. Ex- That's the bike that is now your son's bike? Yes, it is, actually. It was set up identical to the way that he wanted it. So him and I, we woke up at like, I think we left out at midnight or one o'clock in the morning, something like that. We drive all the way up an hour north of Chicago. There's snow on the ground. Like it's, it's freaking the great white north for a reason. (laughs) I test rode that motorcycle. We put it in the bed of his truck, got some Wendy's and smoked ass home. Anyway, so he's freshly got this motorcycle. He's jonesing to ride it. And it's freaking cold here in Missouri. So this day, it wasn't a, it wasn't the longest ride, but there's snow on the ground, there's ice covered roads, and he's like, "Hey, you want to go for a ride?" I'm like, "What the? F-? Yeah, of course I want to go for a ride, but do you want to go for a ride? You haven't been on a motorcycle in years, and now you want to take your your new motorcycle and go ride on icy roads." He's like, "I think we can do it." I said, "Well, I'm game. Let's do it." So we left out. Um, if I remember right, it was 18 degrees. We just had, we just got done plowing snow. 
Um, I think we got like six or seven inches of snow that time. All the roads have been kind of plowed, but it's, it's snow packed. So everything's slick. And what do we do? We don't go stick to the main roads. We go freaking back road riding on a couple of Harleys with an inch to an inch and a half of snowpack, ice, slick as snot roads. That's what you call sporting. <laughs> it was very sporting. And I was honestly very impressed with his ability to, to just ride. Like I said, it had been since, I mean, this was back in, gosh, I can't, I can't remember what year we bought it. But he hadn't been on a motorcycle since the early 90s. So we're relatively 15, 20 years later, he's going to go out and ride in those conditions. Well, good on him. That's what I said. And then the next one that I can think about, this is, this is probably one of the only times I've ever had to stop because I was cold. Um, I used to do EMS where I worked at was about 45, 50 miles away from my house. It's the middle of winter. I'm, I'm a freaking head case. Luckily, one of my good friends from high school was also my EMS partner at the time. He was doing it and kind of got me into it. I was looking for a different job, looking to do something else. He had, at the time, he had a Kawasaki Vulcan 800. We'd done a bunch of custom stuff too. And I was riding one of my choppers at the time. Big inch engine, two, I think it was a 200 wide or a 210 wide, somewhere around in there, rear tire, 21 inch ape hangers, no fairing, no, I mean, no nothing. Well, I'm not a guy that buys gear. I just don't. You know, I just layer up with whatever the frick I have. I think I had some freaking snow gloves at the time. So we have to leave about 6.30, 7 o'clock at the latest in the morning to make it to work on time to, to check in and do all of our pre-shift stuff. So it is 28 degrees, I think, that day. It had, it had a chance of snow, but we decided to ride because... We did 48-hour shifts. In two days when we got off work, it was going to be 48 degrees. Well, that's that's not bad. No, that's nothing. Yeah. And we were going to be getting, we get off. We got off shift around 8 o'clock in the morning. Usually we didn't leave until 9.30 or so from bullshitting with the next crew, doing all of our packing up, end of the shift stuff. So I was like, ah, you know, it's going to be nice and dry when we get off work. Let's just tough it out when we go in. You know, once we get there, we got coffee, we got heat, we got all sorts of stuff, right? So we made it about 30, 35 miles of that trip. And I mean, we are both had a beard at the time, freaking icicles on my beard, snot froze up, just that's the good stuff. Freaking cold. I mean, stupid cold. My hands were so frozen. I mean, imagine being, imagine being out in the cold going 70 miles an hour with your legs spread and your hands above your head. You know, you just don't have any protection. So we stopped at a little town called Fristo. And I mean, we, we jumped off the bikes as fast as we could. I instantly threw off my cheap ass fucking, I mean, low grade gloves. I mean, they, they wouldn't stop wind if they had a, they just could not rip them off and throw them directly on the cylinder heads to warm them up. I mean, the heads are hot at this Did point. They catch fire? No, they f they felt amazing. I got to work and I had burns on my hands, <laughs> but <laughs> that's beside the point. But I mean, just had to warm them up. I think we took like ten minutes to just warm up, and it's like, all right, we got to go, or we're gonna be late. So we jumped back on. We bumped up the speed a little bit. I told him, I said, look, we're gonna be cold for the next ten minutes. 
but let's make that 10 minutes as fast as we possibly can. So we lit off and God bless this little soul. He pushed that little Vulcan as fast as he could. And I'm like, dude, I'll see you when we get there. I'm rolling out. So we just hammered down and hauled ass in. The quicker the you go, the faster it's over. That's what I thought. Yeah. No, we were a little bit colder. But what about you, home well, slice? I guess for me, I'd have to really strike up the way, way back machine. <laughs> I was Getting in the DeLorean. military and, and uh, on leave. And I was visiting some family in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Actually, it was my dad. And he had uh, in the garage an old bike that I had used to ride when I was, you know, a teenager. Did Was it pink with a banana seat and tassels? Orange. Orange. Even, even freaking better. Orange, Suzuki, 250, two-cycle, two-cylinder. Ugh. Kind you had to mix the oil with. Yeah. Well, it had an had a oil tank on the side that injected oil into it yeah and um they sound said, why like don't you take this with you because i was going to uh catch a plane and go up and visit a girl in washington state mind you this was winter yeah. he's won't you just take this and i said and it ran well at first <laughs> <laughs> the type that sounds like it's going a million miles an hour and it's going 20 yeah and the weather <laughs> in, in albuquerque at the time was uh you know reasonable it's like 40, 50 degrees. And I thought, yeah, why not? During the day. During the day. So I thought, well, I'll do that. And I had one of these backpacks, the old fashioned kind with the aluminum frames. Oh my Lord. That you would, you know, that was popular at the time. Uh, And so I loaded up all my stuff in a backpack. With your how to do lunchbox. Had one of these um, ski pants with the bibs. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. And and the old fashioned goose down uh, jacket that looked like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Oh, man. And an old-fashioned helmet, like the bell helmet with no face. Oh, no yeah. Front, Three-quarter the... helmet with the three button snaps at the top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I thought, well, it might get cold, so I'll go and buy me one of these uh, shields that snap to the buttons at the top. Yeah. But it's all open in the bottom. But those were so sick because the, the, the bubble front shields. Yeah, well, it was, it was flat, but it was just like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm good. So I let out of there. I'm in the, the military. I'm yeah. tough. That's exactly what it was. And um, boy, really, did I learn a lesson by the time I got into Colorado. Yeah. I mean, it was cold and it was cold for the rest of the trip. And I don't you know, want to exaggerate or say how cold, but uh, it was um, some areas of the ride was around zero. Yeah. And the looks you get on that little ring, ring, ding, 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 <laughs> motorcycle going down the freeway because you're going on a 250. Oh shit! Two man. cycle, two cylinder, going down a freeway. You're I mean, you're you're pushing you're it pushing to the max. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just going, and I'm shivering. I would get into a motel room at night, and I would stand under the hottest shower I can possibly stand for over an hour. Oh, and man. I can remember still going to bed at night shivering. I yeah, could, did not get warm. Just beat ass red from that hot water on you, and you're, you everything feels like needles and knives on exactly. you. Exactly, and then you'd get up in the morning and do it all over again. Yeah, and by the time that uh, I got to Washington State, I went ahead. It, the sun was coming down. There was snow everywhere. I thought, I'm not. I did like you did. I'm not going to stop. Just push it, and get it done. Yeah, and uh, and it was nighttime and shivering, and the bike <laughs> had basically said, "Fuck you." <laughs> I want no more part of it. I hold your fat ass long enough. Walk. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating or lying when I tell you when I pulled into the driveway of this girl's place, the bike died. 
Mm. And I didn't know that it was going to get it there. And I mean, it was just chug, 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 barely getting there. That bike never rode again. Let me, that was cold. Let me ask you this. Was the end goal worth it? In hindsight, absolutely not. Yeah. But at the time, you're sure. It wasn't laced with gold, was it? <laughs> at the time, it was absolutely worth it. Now that I look back on it, hell's no. As a young prick with a hard one, you just got to go, right? You just got to go. Oh, man. That yeah. ride was not worth it. But um, the second time was uh, almost as bad. Uh, I was going on my bike up to Washington State to visit my daughter, who was a grown woman and had her own family. And I was on a Yamaha V-Star 1100. Yeah. And it was uh, early spring when I left. Well, I pulled into Browning, Montana, just outside going to the Sun Highway. Uh, that takes you across the northwest part of Montana. And the ride was been fine, but I woke up that morning, opened the door to the motel, and there was like two foot of snow. <laughs> and my bike was covered. I was not prepared for yeah. that. So I went out, got a little broom from the motel office and dusted it all off. And to the bike's credit, it started right up like it was summer. Dang. And I tucked in behind a snowplow. Yeah. Uh, going across the, going to the Sun Highway was closed. So I had to reroute and go around the south part of it. And uh, I would get behind a uh, snowplow going about five, 10 miles an hour. And alongside me pulls up this Econoline van full of kids <laughs> with, with their hands and face to the windows, just stare. Look at this freak, you know? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. And the snow was blowing and. It was, it was awful. You know, what's crazy about that? Like I'm sitting here thinking about, I wonder if those kids remember that today or if any of those kids were like, man, I want to ride motorcycles. You know what I mean? Like you could have literally altered the path of one of those young children. I could have either inspired them to ride a motorcycle or never ride a motorcycle. (laughs) Cause I was not prepared for the cold uh, physically with the, uh, outerwear. Oh man. So it was really cold. So that was it for me. Yeah, that sucks. I rode when you you just ride with both feet down because it's like sledding at that point. Yeah. There's no stopping. There's no steering. There's just literally, let's hope to God I can keep it upright. It was about 200 miles of riding in that Yeah, before buddy. I got out of it and weather turned back to normal. Yeah, which is crazy. You know, you talk about early spring here. It's still late winter out west. I talked to my daughter yesterday and she lives up in northeast Washington State up by the Canadian border. So I has the weather there. She said, got a foot of snow yesterday. Not just over the week. Overnight. Overnight. <laughs> That's a dusting there. Yeah. <laughs> we get a dusting and it's like half an inch and everybody freaks the fuck out and they're going to buy toilet paper and they're like, eh, we just got a Monday snow. That's right. No big. Hey, I never got over the COVID toilet paper scandal. We've got toilet paper to last. Oh, <laughs> you were that guy. Yeah, huh? I was that guy. You were that guy that everybody was and pissed God, at. And I rotate them out. Because when I finish a pack, I go buy a pack. <laughs> <laughs> we have reserve. That shit ain't happening oh, again. Oh, man. Well, when you shit your pants on a regular basis, well, you're going to have to have. to be prepared. Yes, yes. But, you know, the old Navy way, better to have and not need yeah. than need and not have. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, if you've enjoyed this little podcast, and honestly, I'm not sure why you would, but okay, um, to each his own. Yeah, a couple uh, of derelicts know, doing what they do. You might consider being a club member. And if you'd like to do that, you can go to ozarkrides.com and uh, check out the patreon link and you can do that too also just a reminder you can also find the random thoughts from the road podcast not only at ozark rides 
but on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Things like Spotify, iTunes, Google, you know the list. So those are all the options out there for you if you're inclined. So until we meet next time, always stay riding. The weather is fine no matter where you're at. And always be safe and keep it on two wheels.